All right. You got to wing your intro? Uh, yeah, I can make one up here <laughs> as I go. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's superhero slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's superhero slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this week, we're talking about Star Wars Day 2020. That's right. It was May the 4th be with you. That was Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney Plus is apparently adding uh, some more shows or movies later down the road, apparently. <laughs> Better now than later. In other news, water, wet, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, also, that brings us up to the next point. Will straight-to-streaming cause issues with movie contracts? Mm. And more. Yeah, I feel very chill right now, Chris, because just before we uh, got on the podcast, Chris was showing me office chairs, and it was an Iron Man-themed gaming chair, and you informed me that it laid all the way flat. So now I'm just thinking about what would it be like to record this podcast if I was just laying totally flat down, and I don't even understand how the physics of that chair works, because it seems like you would just like fall directly backwards if you were laying at a 90-degree angle on a, uh, or I guess technically a zero-degree angle, right, on an office well, chair? Yeah, yeah, zero or 180. Uh, <laughs> However you want to do it. Yeah, your body distribution. I mean, you'd have to have like weighted shoes on or something, so your your head doesn't just tip it straight. Back. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the that's the the added feature. You have to buy the Iron Man weighted boots that yeah. keep you from falling over. You have this very strange Iron Man Marvel experience in your office chair. I don't recommend it. Uh, but I'm feeling very chill right now. Uh, it's also Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, the bonus moms, the stepmoms, the chosen moms. I hope you all are having a great Mother's Day. Called my mom earlier today, had uh, had a fun conversation with her. She has like a, she has a, I, I'm so glad I got my sense of humor from her uh, because uh, she, she lets me know that she's pretty much the only one in the office that's like funny. They like consider her like the kind of the class clown, which I think is just hilarious because I never pitched a picture of my mother as being like the the goofball or the class clown but uh she's a she's a county clerk in a court office so a lot of uh judges now are like telecommuting they're like doing their sentencing and court hearings like over skype so my uh my mom will like nudge her coworkers and be like oh do you think the judge is wearing any pants since you can't see his lower half on this uh skype call so shout out to my hilarious mother out there who is uh cracking jokes at the office and will be retiring soon. I'll have a I'll have a retired mother here in just I think she said seven weeks. She is Dang. counting down the days. So she'll be retired along with my father and they'll just be they'll just be living it up. They're living the dream of never having to go to work again. So uh shout out to uh shout out to moms. Well that's a that's a it's a big milestone, you know, it like changes your whole life. Cause like when you get start I mean, like when you're born like, yeah you need to go get a job and then what happens when you're out of a job like on your <laughs> you own do choosing, yourself. you're like, well, what do I do now? Um, well, we have the we have the the added benefit, Chris. Of I'm positive this podcast will still be around when we're in our late 60s, and we'll just keep this going. We'll just podcast every day. Uh, okay, we'll officially declare that Superhero Slate will become a daily podcast in. What do you think in like 30, 40 years? Should we, should we uh, I'm pick not a specific put a date? You know, want, I want to leave it open? I don't you, know what's going to happen next week, let alone <laughs> in a year plus. Tempting the fates, tempting the fates here. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we're just going to keep, we're just going to keep rolling with it until, you know, the internet breaks or something and, and we have to 
you know, something forces us to stop. It's out of our control, Mike. So <laughs> we'll, we'll just keep on, keep on trucking. Um, but it's funny cause you mentioned that, you know, we, we, we do this every week we get on here and talk, but we've also more, more so lately been playing video games together. Um, oh, and yeah. talking that, and it's like, it's, it's weird cause you like, we, we've always texted, you know, for us. And then now we're playing video games talking. It's just like a normal kind of thing. And like, Oh, it's, I think, I think your wife asked you, who are you talking to? You're like, well, it's, it's Chris. It's, it's, it's usually Chris. <laughs> we have so many lines of uh, communication, but this is the only one that uh, we record. Yeah. Uh, unless you're watching friend of the show, Quentin Parker's Twitch stream, which I technically think our voices are being recorded or at least aired on that Twitch stream. And mm. as soon as he starts seeing a single dime, I want to cut of that because we got premium voices. People search the internet for our voices, Chris, and we got to make sure our voices are properly monetized out there, right? No, I don't care. <laughs> he can he can keep his dimes that he's going to get off of uh, streaming us playing Call of Duty. Uh, not very professionally at that. Hey, so. we 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 narrowly got third place the other day. I think if we could have flipped a coin, got a little bit more luck, we could have eked out first place in that mm-hmm. battle royale match. But that was, was fun. Amazing. That was a fun, it was fun a good final circle. It, I guess that's the thing. We have fun with it, and that's what matters. Uh, there are too many people who take it too seriously, but we we have. Uh, we have a good time. There's a clip out there I, that he he cut, uh, Quentin cut of him running around in a circle avoiding a helicopter while yelling at Mike to shoot at the helicopter, <laughs> but Mike couldn't see the helicopter. So I had no line of sight. It, it's great. It was, and I'm just <laughs> caught in the middle, like just right. I'm like I'm shooting the helicopter and trying to pick up Mike in another helicopter. I'm like I'm doing both it's here. A, Let's. It's a it's a great time. It's, it's a, a time. it's a this is a another opportunity to say it's a free game. Uh, just go download uh, Warzone. You're going to need lots of hours. It's a big old file. Mm. You're going to have to do a lot of downloading. Then there'll be a lot of hours of figuring out what you're even doing. But it's a fun sandbox map. Um, th- this is getting in the weeds, so I guess this is a brief uh, Warzone talk. But I saw that you were sharing a link the other day from the from the subreddit for Warzone. And I saw one the other day from there where people over near the dam could hear the sound of like screaming or like wolves howling near the edges of the map, which seems to be like, I don't know if it's like an Easter egg or if it's like a hint of things to come, but it's crazy kind of some of the stuff you can unearth from this giant map that they've put in this game. So uh, I love the, I love the mystery kind of Easter egg aspect of really anything to be honest. Well, the thing I always hear the most, I was like, well, there's a new map coming. I'm like, no, there's not there. There's still so many secrets on this one. We haven't uncovered. Why would they, create a new one and put it out there when this one still has things to be unturned or yeah, they gotta fl- they gotta they gotta flex the map a little bit yeah. more they gotta do a little bit more with it before they chuck it out yeah they can change i mean they haven't really changed any pois but you know uh, changing modes and they added a game type where you're like if you survive a bounty your teammate comes back in i think that lasted like two days before they swapped it back <laughs> over uh, like they, there's stuff they can do to, to balance it out and then have fun with it rather than create a whole new map. Because can you imagine the work that goes into that? Because you gotta you gotta think every point on that map has to have a um a check and balance to make sure that it isn't overpowered, but also isn't completely like you know useless as well. So uh-huh. yeah, uh, I, I imagine you know I I have fun on this one, but I I still expect there to be more secrets as we keep playing. Yeah, I keep I keep playing this big kind of like sandbox uh, free game, and I'm just waiting for a big IP that we really like that we talk about to kind of pull it off. We briefly mentioned maybe Star Wars could possibly yeah. do it. Uh, I, I don't know if maybe Marvel or Disney would ever get the 
get their stuff together together enough to to work on a game that would kind of preserve well, out there that long. But I'd love to maybe see some sort of like Marvel universe like this. That'd be kind of cool. Well, Fortnite had the Marvel one when Endgame came or Infinity War came out, and it was really really fun. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think I think you know Marvel has the ability they could license their stuff into other games. Yeah, it's just easier for them right now to license until they own or really get a game studio of their own up and running. Yeah, exactly. And the same with Star Wars. Like, you know, their focus is on, you know, the, the media and the content, not the not the gaming. But, you know, I, I could see someone being like, I, again, Battlefront is a, a huge number one. Like, where you have all the clones and, like, characters who are, like, within, like, that level of clones. You could be like, oh, I have a customized character that's, you know, a, a stormtrooper or one that's a rebel. And that's what you play as, but I think I think Marvel just lacks that um, the kind of faceless bodies that you can just keep throwing into the the thing without having like power ups, you know? Because if, uh-huh. if you're if you're gonna play, you want to play Thor. Thor needs Thor powers in this map, so so how do you make that work? But um, I'm looking forward to the Avengers game down the road, but that's that's neither here nor there. But Mike, uh, other than that, um, I'm, I'm just gonna say I haven't watched a whole lot of media this week uh, because. Uh, I've been working again on the house. I did more pressure washing, knocked out the entire driveway this time. No more. You've been a busy, you've been a busy adult. Yes, exactly. But, um, Rick and Morty is back. Uh, the second half of season five started last week and it was a good time. And then, um, Westworld season three wrapped up. So if you've been waiting for all those to wrap up, there's eight episodes. You can watch them all now on, uh, HBO now, which if you go ahead and set up for HBO max, uh, it's 1199 price point. You get access to HBO now for that price for the rest of the month. So, uh, sign up for that. That's pretty cool. But you've been watching some other stuff uh, and streaming things in your corn stream, Mike's corn stream corner. Tell me what you've been watching. Yeah, I got a couple little uh, pullouts here to talk about here. You were just talking about uh, Rick and Morty, uh, created by Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. So the head writer from Rick and Morty, which I, I honestly forgot the guy's name, sorry, but <laughs> along with uh, Justin Roiland, uh, came out with uh, a new animated show called Solar Opposites, where all... Ep- all eight episodes just landed on Hulu last week. Uh, I checked out the first episode. Uh, I, no spoilers or anything. I know you haven't caught up to it yet, but it very much feels like you're in the Rick and Morty universe still. Um, I don't think there's been any definite concrete uh, yeses or nos whether or not they'll ever cross over. I don't think they really care. I think they're just trying to make something funny, and if anything ever happens organically, they'll probably do it. But it was pretty funny to see uh, these aliens just mucking about, so well, I would uh, it, recommend it. It strikes me as a family guy and American Dad scenario where like at the start they were so close they like could they be in the same universe but then they did the crossover like obviously we're not in the same universe but we know we're the same voice actors so here's some fun and I could totally see them doing that in in these shows yeah if anybody is familiar with Rick and Morty or even Solar Opposites have you if you've watched it very satirical style of comedy where you know most of the time rules don't apply so I wouldn't try to find a lot of logic or uh, any hard rules in any of these universes (laughs) I will tell you if you want to go about talk about um, canon and hard fast rules this this newest Rick and Morty will play that up wholeheartedly it's meta (laughs) to a new level but Great. before I forget, I, I actually played Justin Roiland's VR game, um, Trover, Trover right? Universe this yeah. week. I, I, I finally got to dive into that for a while because uh, if anyone knows, some VR where you sit still and it comes at you does not make me as motion sick. But in this one, you play as a, a person who, uh, I forget the name, but you're a, a species who just sits in a chair for your whole life. And that's what you do. <laughs> uh, but you have to rotate the chair in like 90 degree angles or 45 degree angles. 
uh, to look around, and I'm I got real uneasy after <laughs> like two levels. I'm like, I'm gonna take a break. But it's I, like a big it's like a big puzzle game, right? Yeah, you control. Oh, you're in your chair, but you control remotely this character named Trover. Uh, who has these things he can put into his eye holes, and those they give him new powers. Like I got one, it's like a double jump, like later. So, mm-hmm. um, so you, you you kind of remotely control this this Trover character. Uh, but it is true. I mean, if you've heard Solar Opposites or Rick and Morty, uh, Justin Roiland's voice is in every one of these characters, and so you hear Rick, you hear Morty, you hear. There's a way to. You, I mean, they ask you, do you want to play on the uncensored mode, which I recommend highly because. <laughs> it is off the chain, but yeah. Anyway, a lot of Justin Roiland this week for us, Mike. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's a he's a man of our generation and of our demographics. I would say. Yeah. I would, I would think a lot of people that listen to this podcast would also enjoy anything that uh, they're working on over there. Also, just kind of like a side note, uh, since we did bring up Dan Harmon just briefly, the co-creator of Rick and Morty, uh, the community. Uh, television show is reuniting for a table read of one of their classic episodes that will be airing tomorrow aka monday on sony's youtube channel i don't know which youtube channel is i'm sure the sony corporation has many verified youtube channels so one of them will be airing the uh, table read which is pretty impressive because they're getting donald glover back who is a gigantic uh, uh multi-talented star so he's coming back to return to do a table read i believe uh, any sort of money that they raise is going to like some sort of charity which seems to be the gimmick for a lot of these reunions of these shows during the quarantine and also i guess all of the all of the crew stuck around on this supposed zoom call and it was record it was uh the after kind of party was recorded for um for uh joel McHale and um uh dr chang or senior chang i don't remember the uh the actor's name but they have a podcast together and they're uh, putting that up there on their podcast uh so uh, a lot of dan Harmon community stuff you can check out too so uh that wraps up the solar opposites portion of the corn stream so we'll roll right into middle ditch and swartz which is an improvised comedy show that has a couple episodes up on netflix and uh we just kind of watched it on a whim the other day in our household and it was shockingly funny you would think something that's unprepared where uh they just kind of get some suggestions and stories from the audience might have some moments where you're just kind of like waiting for uh something funny to happen waiting for things to roll in but these two guys are really really funny and also now that i'm mentioning it there's some crossover there too because thomas middleditch is the voice of one of the aliens on solar opposites i totally just forgot that um and also uh um Ben Schwartz was on Parks and Rec that also the other week did a reunion uh, a kind of video Zoom style. So, man, there's a, there's a lot of crossover there. Uh, so I would recommend Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Uh, I've only seen the first episode of both of those two things, but I would recommend them just off of those. And lastly, Chris, you have to tell me if I've brought this up on the show before or if you're familiar of it. Have you ever heard of the Joe Schmo Show? Which aired in, back in two thousand three. Does this strike any any uh, any resemblance to you? Uh, no, simply because I ha- I keep thinking of the Schmoes No uh, or whatever the the uh, the YouTube channel. Yeah, thing. the YouTube channel. And I'm like I, uh, <laughs> I I can't get beyond this that that's sticking in my head right now. All right. Well, I'm gonna blow a couple people's minds here if they've never heard of the Joe Schmo Show. So the Joe Schmo Show back in 2003 came off of the heels of the popularity of Survivor. This was back when competition reality shows were the new thing. Every network wanted one. It was crazy. Everybody was doing all these different gimmicks of them. 
So the Joe Schmo show was the first time I believe that they ever made a reality show where all of the contestants, except for one of them, were paid actors. So this whole show is all about manufacturing these scenarios for this one guy that thought he was really on a competition reality show, but what he didn't know is he was being Truman showed for eight episodes. And uh, I kept telling my wife about this on and off for the past couple months. I was like, have you never heard of the Joe Schmo show? Do you know anything about this? She's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It sounds like a totally fake show. So I opened up our favorite app, the Just Watch app, to see if it's streaming anywhere, and it wasn't. But, you know, I kind of got a feeling of this is kind of a niche show. Not a lot of people know about it. So I bet there's a chance that it's old enough and slightly obscure enough that it just is on YouTube. And lo and behold, it is. So if you just search season one of the Joe Schmo show, it is on YouTube. You can go watch it right now. And I just want to say the, the, the biggest shock of this is is that I remember watching this. I watched the first season in its entirety back in the early 2000s when it came out, but I forgot who the paid actors were to be in the show, and I was shocked when I went and showed my wife the first episode the other day that two of the paid actors on this show uh, are very recognizable now. Uh, The first one is, if anybody out there is a fan of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Rickety Cricket, the, the actor who plays Cricket, is one of the paid contestants for the Joe Schmo show. So that was really fun to see Cricket on there. But secondly, uh, in her very first kind of breakout role, I think she even describes it in the Joe Schmo show as her first really paid gig ever, is Kristen Wiig, who is a gigantic star now, is a was should be on the screen currently right now in Wonder Woman 2, 1984, if there wasn't a quarantine right now. But it was crazy to see her playing like this uh, this relationship doctor, Dr. Pat, on the show. So I just have to say it's a crazy experiment. They edit the show in a really clever way where they still edit it like a reality show, but then every once in a while they'll cut away to the behind the scenes because all of these people are worried about blowing it. You know, this is supposed to be something that they film and they turn into a whole season of a TV show, so they're really not trying to blow it. They don't want this guy to know that he's actually in a fake reality show, so it's really, really funny. If anybody else is familiar with, um, like, kind of Los Angeles radio or even Kevin Smith's friends of podcast friends uh ralph garman plays the uh the uh quote-unquote like judge last host of this fake reality show which is called the lap of luxury so uh, i i just i just really have to recommend it it's so weird bizarre and hilarious so go check out the joe schmo show it's on youtube right now just somebody uploaded it it's in that classic four by three aspect ratio you're getting all the great satirical hits of kind of early 2000s reality show in it so yeah go check out the Joe Schmo show. Uh, I won't spoil anything, but I do very vividly remember the last episode where uh, kind of everything is revealed to the uh, guy, and it's a it's an it's an amazing it's an amazing moment. It's worthwhile to at the very least watch the first episode and then at least watch the last episode. So there you go, Mike's corn stream corner well, wrapped up. Well, I'm gonna go ahead. I just did a quick uh, wiki on this, Mike. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop another set of bomb. How this relates to us? Yeah. Here. Yeah. Um, it is created by Paul Warnick and Rhett Reese, who did Deadpool. Oh. The movie Deadpool the, and Zombieland. Wow. Um, hey, I, I mean, the, those are some smart it, guys. They know what they're doing. Yeah, and it was uh, three seasons of, of this show. Um, yeah, they did a follow-up season that I was unaware of, because this was back in the day before I think anybody was tracking television shows well, it was uh, on, on the it, internet. It was on Spike TV, so I forgive you for not 
being yeah. tuned into and, Spike. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a chance that one year you could have Spike TV on your cable plan, and then the next year it wasn't there anymore. And then I saw that they brought it back like in 2014 or something. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if like Netflix tried to make a show like this in the future because they're really kind of kicking their reality shows into gear right now. So yeah, go check out the Joe Schmo show. It's this crazy experiment. I have no idea if it lives well beyond its first season, but the guy that they cast for the first season is just perfect. Like they couldn't have put a better stooge in in that spot to just kind of soak up all this fake reality show. It's just great. Uh, yeah, I never get the opportunity to talk about reality television on our podcast, but, uh, in the quarantine stream, corner anything goes is this even reality is this considered reality (laughs) well when andy was watching the first episode she's like is this real are you punking me right now are we actually watching a real thing i was like oh we're watching a real thing there is eight more episodes (laughs) wow that's that's awesome yeah i mean that that's that's, that would fit right in that but that's that's cool so uh go check it out in quarantine anything goes mike i watched the great muppet caper this weekend or this week (laughs) as well while i was going to bed do you remember the great muppet caper uh, I think I I think I remember a little bit of it. You don't, it sounds like you don't remember any. That's <laughs> fine. I won't hold it to you. It's the second Muppet movie, uh, where they they go to London and there's a there's a, an extended John Cleese cameo in this as well. On that, oh, one as well, I so. like I like John Cleese. Yeah. I like me some John Cleese. He's very tame, which is interesting. But anyway, uh, speaking of things to stream, Mike, uh, well, this is going to lead right into a, a great topic here. Our first one, The Mandalorian. Uh, of course. You're asking Chris, why would you watch The Mandalorian? It came out last <laughs> fall, last winter. But the documentary series they promised us uh, for uh, Star Wars Day came out on Monday, and then the second episode uh, came out on Friday, so it'll be coming out every Friday. And I believe there's eight episodes, and they don't follow. I've watched them both, Mike, no spoilers here. Mm-hmm. They do not follow the episodes. So they talk about the series as a whole. Um, the first mm. one focuses on the director's. Gotcha. The second one focuses on the legacy and like the producers and like you know Star Wars as a whole um, uh-huh. and, and how it's affected because they bring in like uh, the second one they bring in some people uh, like the visual effects artists for the first Star Wars movies like one of those guys is from there and the other one's from the 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 the, the prequel series they don't really touch on the new three movies I'll tell you that right now <laughs> they do prequels and originals and I will tell you right now Dave Filoni the creator or not the creator, but the person who was in charge of the clone wars TV show and rebels. Uh-huh. Uh, he also directed some of this should literally be star Wars as Kevin Feige. Yeah. You, you shot a message to the group chat earlier this week and you're just like David Filoni. He's the future of star Wars. And I was like, all right, I think I'll be hearing more about this on Sunday then. Yeah, you will. It's like he, he understands the characters. He breaks down points in this about star Wars, even the prequels, the whole trilogy, that you would never think of. And he understands the characters more or, or not more just as much as George Lucas would understand his characters, because even uh-huh. though he may not be a great dialogue writer, he at least understood his characters and their motivations behind everything. He was a world builder and knew his characters. Uh, so I think uh, Dave Filoni, I, I think we're going to see a lot of good things come out of him. And I would say, put him in charge of all your star Wars movies. Um, yeah. I mean, star that's Wars great. Stuff. I mean, he's literally the probably one of the few people in the Star Wars universe that has the most FaceTime, just like mileage, like hours, like, you know, what do they say? It takes like 10,000 hours to become an expert at something mm-hmm. like name another person besides maybe George Lucas, who has spent as much time with Star Wars in a professional setting as Dave Filoni, because he's been with the Clone Wars, like running seasons, so many episodes, he's just been in the trenches. So yeah. I think he's a he's a great pick. Yeah. One thing one thing that I 
didn't realize was um, when you look at kind of like the branding for this documentary, I believe it's called like The Gallery. Yeah. It's like Disney's The Gallery, uh, and then it says like The Mandalorian. So maybe they're setting up some sort of thing where maybe we'll even be getting like behind the scenes documentaries for the Marvel shows that come out here uh, uh, hopefully oh, soon. Yeah. Um, well, we, we always talked about, you know, what Netflix only gives you the movies, right? Disney Plus needed a differentiating factor, and they can give us uh-huh. literally the bonus scenes on the DVD content behind the scenes features. They can set this up. They're setting this up as this whole show. Like not even just like a single episode you go on and watch. You just uh-huh. go watch like they're going to do eight episodes. And I'll tell you, what, I'll be tuning in every week to watch. Nice. They, are, they are that good uh, quality of stuff. Um, but also I forgot to even put this in here. The clone Wars wrapped up on Monday. So we're yeah. completely done with that show. Um, and I will tell you out of the last season, there are three main story arcs. The last one is unlike anything I've ever seen and experienced, and I cannot wait for for other people. I know I know a lot of people watch it. I'm not going to tell you anything, Mike, but um, I can't wait for you to get there one day eventually. Ooh, that's great. I, I I just love the way that you're talking about it because it really makes me excited because I'm still working my way through the meat of the original series. So I really feel like I'm I'm hitting a curve here where the kind of the maturity and the sophistication of the story is only going to increase mm-hmm. where I'm at right now, which is good because even for like a like a like a teen swim, like a, a slightly below adult swim uh, maturity of a show is still uh, doing some pretty intense stuff. It sounds like it ramps up even more, so I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah. The final the final four will be talked about for a very long time so I'm, I'm excited for you for you to get there and experience that um also this week um peyton reed director of the ant-man movies and robert rodriguez a, a famous director are confirmed to be involved in season two of the mandalorian maybe Ooh, as, as guest directors um because the first you know the first season had uh, several uh, I mean, I think every director was a guest writer. Yeah, I think the I think the Peyton Reed side of it is maybe all but confirmed. Yeah. I think he sent he put up a picture of like his director is like of like a director's chair yeah. that said like Mandalorian on it or something like that. So I, I think that's it, a strong in, in, indication. And I hope he's doing you know these these directors are doing whole episodes and not just like scenes. <laughs> um, yeah, like guest directors because I think was it uh, Robert Rodriguez was a guest director. Or, on Sin City or something like that, or, or he had Quentin Tarantino guest direct on that thing or whatever. I'm like, I want to, I want to see a full episode of these people. So. Yeah, I, and I, I think they would want to too. Like any any director in town who is of a certain age grew up with Star Wars, and I can't see why they'd be like, no, I only want to do a little bit of it. I just want the credit. Just give me the paycheck. Like, no, they want to direct a whole thing of Star Wars. That's that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And, and you want to have them like if they're you're, you're combining all these snippets that may not tell a cohesive story across that so uh very excited for that and are you familiar with the characters uh sabine wren from the show rebels uh uh, uh no but visually i know what they look like because i just googled them uh, she's, she's got the purple <laughs> hair and the yeah the, yeah, she's, the, the... She, yeah she's a mandalorian uh so like her she has ties to the clone wars and then also in in the mandalorian the dark saber uh it appears in rebels and and she has that at some point so i think uh, it's rumored that she will appear in the Mandalorian, probably aside Ahsoka and another character or two here. Seems like, <laughs> I mean, unless the, the character, uh, story in rebels explains it a little bit. It looks like the character design maybe fell down the, uh, 
the female design trap of this Mandalorian doesn't really have that much armor on her compared to kind of some of the female Mandalorians that we saw in season well, one who were decked out in armor. So hopefully maybe they make some changes to this costume. Well, I don't think they will. Her, she's not technically a full what a Mandalorian like the Mandalorian clan. Oh, she she just dabbles in it. Well, she she's from that world, but like you know, like you said, the true Mandalorians don't take their armors off. Um, mm-hmm. You pretty much only see her face exclusively in, in the cartoon. So, uh, okay. I think I think she's more of a rebel fighter who 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 may be from the planet Mandalore um, and has some of that in there. So I, I I haven't finished Rebels. There's four seasons. I haven't finished it, but um, I think she is her last uh, known. She was with Ahsoka looking for a character after the end of uh, Return of the Jedi. So uh, she's definitely around in this timeline. She fits this universe. Um, I think, you know, this may be an episode where we get Ahsoka and Saving Rin rather than multiple episodes. Um, kind of like that one episode we had with the, what was it the bounty hunters with Bill Burr and, um, mm-hmm. Clancy Brown and so on and so forth. I think, I think we're gonna get one episode and not extended appearances of these characters, uh, throughout the season. Um, which brings me to probably the biggest news this week that I think, I think just, just blew people's minds. Uh, uh-huh. Actor Tamura Morrison, uh, who played Jango Fett in The Clone Wars and all the clones, literally in uh, Attack of the Clones and Original Seth, will return to the screen and play Boba Fett in The Mandalorian. Man, I mean, next to Han Solo, <laughs> Boba Fett's got to be one of the most popular characters, I would say, in all of Star Wars lore, which I think is really indicative of how strong just, like, the cool fucking armor is. I mean, uh, pardon my French there, but the armor is so cool. Every little kid who watched uh, Boba Fett in the original uh, trilogy was just like, that character is so cool. I I gotta own the action figure. I gotta own every piece of memorabilia around this character. So mysterious under that helmet. They have a freaking jetpack. That's probably where my love of jetpacks started, was uh, just seeing Boba Fett fly around on it. So um, it makes sense that, you know, you bring this character back. And I'm sure there's somebody out there who knows all of the thrown out canon from the books that don't exist anymore. But I feel like has his has his um, kind of emergence or escape from the Sarlacc pit been explained in any way? Multiple times. (laughs) Because I feel I feel like it's got to be at some aspect. So I I could only assume that there's a way for him to get out of it. In episode five, um, I think they are on 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 Tatooine, right? Well, when they fight. Ming-Na Wen, who was, who was the other assassin. Yes, uh, yes. Which is where Boba Fett's yeah. supposed to be. Uh, you know, he could tie into this, you know, as, as a bounty hunter sent after another Mandal- a Mandalorian bounty hunter sent after a Mandalorian. Well, what's the strongest uh, theory right now that the character that was kind of hovering over that assassin at the end of the episode might be Boba Fett? Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, it makes sense if he's still on that planet. Um, but I would love to maybe, I mean, I guess I don't have to literally see the escape from the Sarlacc pit, but maybe some sort of explanation or some sort of wink or nod to just, I don't go near that part of the planet anymore or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, some, some sort of wink and nod to it would be nice. Exactly. And, and, you know, if he is, I mean, they brought back Darth Maul after literally cutting him in half in front of us. So, (laughs) and they did it really well. Uh, Are you the part in Clone Wars where where he's returned yet? I believe you are. Uh, No. Uh, the, the part where they're. They're like his cousins or whatever, like the the, the magical, the yeah the magical witches that kind of brainwash uh, one of the mandal one of the uh, what are they called what what what's his race called I don't even um, know uh, the horny people yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're playing this Dathomir and they're the the men um, 
Sabrak, I believe. Uh, uh, I don't know. You're throwing out what, what's a savage oppress? Is that his name? Savage oppress is uh, the character's name. Yeah, I think there's yeah, think yeah. They're Sabrak people, but yeah. yeah, I'm kind of I'm in that zone right now. Yeah. Either either way, um, there's an opportunity here for them to bring back this character who everyone was hyped for and probably had one of the most disappointing outings ever in in Star Wars, mm-hmm. where he got bumped on the back with a stick and flew into a uh, <laughs> a, a pit early what, on in the movie. What? What a way to go. I mean, it it sounds really pathetic if that did indeed kill him, but obviously it didn't kill him. Mm. You know, it, it, it probably is just like he's a bounty hunter. He probably gets thrown in the pits all the time on accident um, or on purpose. So this is just like another Tuesday for Boba Fett. He just went on and did a bunch of other things. He's like, oh, I'm tired of this bounty. I don't want to deal with Jedis anymore. I'm going to do something else right now. Mm-hmm. The only way that they could possibly dash our host with this is to make it a flashback. <laughs> oh yeah, that's I suppose that's a possibility. But I think it's pretty cool that they're casting the guy who played Jango Fett. Yeah. You know, I think I don't know the chronologically, uh, the chronological timeline perfectly, but it seems like age wise, you know, I think that all kind of makes sense. You know, like uh, if he had to play. If he had, if it's so weird because it's like he wasn't, he was Django, but his son, they're not going to get the same actor to play the son. That doesn't make any sense. So I guess just replace the actor. They, they look similar anyway. Well, uh, yeah. But it seems like you're going to see his face at some point in time, right? If they had to tell you who's playing him, they could, or they could just use his voice under it. I mean, it, they could bring his voice back, knowing that it, it, they just said he's playing it. They don't necessarily say he's going to be. Have the courage. To cast the guy with the mustache that just wore the armor, and you can see the behind-the-scenes photos on, I think it's Jedi, where he has the helmet off, and he just has this 70s mustache, and he's wearing, like, little, like, librarian glasses. It's great. Bring that guy back. That would be so funny. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's around uh, to do that. <laughs> but also, there's a rumor here that, uh, that Morrison will be coming back to play one of the clone troopers, uh, Rex, who, who appeared in Star Wars Rebels. Um, Ooh, okay. So he could be playing dual roles, one unhelmeted, uh, an old trooper who would show up with Ahsoka and, and Sabine, but also, you know, a, a Boba Fett possibly voiceover, hopefully in person, if you would. Uh-huh. So I think that's cool. I think that's a really cool throwback. I think, you know, even if it is a flashback, so what? Uh, they, they find a way to bring Boba. I mean, Mandalorian's been good. I don't think they're going to, you know, mess it up from here with, um, like I said, uh, Dave Filoni involved on, on literally every production so uh-huh. thoughts anything else on that you cool with it yeah i'm cool with it man he's cool with it speaking of <laughs> star wars uh one of the directors of one of the first season mandalorian episodes taika watiti who also voiced ig 11 80 yeah 80 yeah 11 88 was the original yep. one yeah. uh will direct his own star wars film Woo. wow this this is this was some news this this hit <laughs> all of my feeds very hard uh, for uh, about a half a day until I'm sure uh, some sort of terrible 2020 news uh, cropped up and pushed it out of my feeds. But uh, this is very interesting. Uh, uh, it seems like he's definitely not going to have any time to go back to Akira anytime soon. So uh, RIP Akira congrats. or maybe uh, congrats Akira. You're not going to get turned into a Western live action film and maybe that's good for you in the long run. Uh, but uh, I mean, Taika Waititi is great. He obviously has proved himself well before he directed anything on The Mandalorian, but it seems like he can play well within the Star Wars universe. Because I think some people, if they see Taika Waititi, they know his sense of humor, so they always just try to attach his sense of humor to whatever IP he's working on, which 
put a lot of question marks over people's head when he was going to do Akira. Uh, so this seems to be maybe a little bit more up his uh, mm-hmm. up his uh, kind of alley or his uh, well, his lane, if you will. Well, in, uh, but I'm. Go well, I was gonna say, well, in that regard, he did do the last episode of. Um, the Mandalorian, which I think is one of the most emotional, impacting ones all around. Yeah, the, the we got to see his robot melt yeah. <laughs> in front of uh, in front of our very eyes. Yeah, uh, which was which from and, and you know watching it from the Mandalorian's aspect, who hates robots, but happened to be like, okay, maybe this one's not too bad, uh, mm-hmm. even though you were going to kill this baby earlier in the series. Um, I, I I think I think he is known for his comedy. He's known for this, which I think you were going to say is is, is good. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know he is known for doing you know. Um, non non I guess on the nose funny stuff as well uh, yeah. with that yeah, I, I I mean this is this is just a blanket statement. It doesn't matter who's directing a Star Wars film moving forward. I just want there to be a unified, like Filoni esque Kevin Feige vision moving forward. Put whatever director you want on a Star Wars movie, but if it's going to turn into an overarching story that spans more than one movie. I just want somebody to know where it's going. No more J.J. Abrams throwing in a mystery with no with no answer and just leaving it up to the next director to figure it out and then not even knowing where it's going when he picks it back up. Just anybody, any producer out there, anybody that just has a vision that knows where it's going will just make me happy. But if it ends up this just is going to be Star Wars moving forward, just possibly one-off movies, I'm you know that's that's fine. Even less for me to worry about. But yeah, this is not bad news. And anyway, this is really exciting news yeah exactly and he will be uh, co-writing it with uh, christy wilson cairns who uh did the movie 1917 which uh people really enjoyed uh last year so uh-huh. um it, with her experience in war films do you think this will be a a type of war, of war film or like what what do you think he would be telling here i don't think it's going to be within the main star wars universe it could be you know um i i don't know there, there could be something else yeah, I mean the 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 biggest takeaway I had from the brief stint of Star Wars story films was my favorite thing about Rogue One was seeing what it's like to actually be in a Star War. Yeah. What is the real what it, what is actually war? So if it, if anybody wants to pick that story thread up and move it forward, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Uh, her also other project uh, was working on uh, working with Edgar Wright on uh, his next movie, The Last Night in Soho, um, mm-hmm. which is a psychological horror film. So. Uh, I, I think I think this lady has has some some variety in her chops here a little bit, so could be could be interesting. Yeah. Uh, she also I just did a quick search. I forgot she did. Uh, she was a a staff writer on Penny Dreadful, um, hey. the show. So. I mean, sounds like she's got chops, like you said. So uh, no no complaints there. Yeah. But also when when it comes to uh, when it comes to feature films, usually the writer doesn't really have that much power at the end of the day so i mean as long as it's good news that's great but even if it was a bad writer i wouldn't worry about it right. too much really well, if she's co-writing it with the director i think there's a little more basis to that though mm-hmm. like you know what he's got is he like he, he's like oh i worked with the writer on this we both wrote this together we know what it needs to look like and be more so than mm-hmm. i'm taking the script from somebody i've never even talked to and be like all right here's now how i enjoy this <laughs> yeah I, as long as I don't see Goyer's name anywhere on this stuff, I'll be happy. <laughs> I don't think he does Star Wars. Uh, also, keep Snyder. Good. I, I, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd let Patty Jenkins come near it. That'd be the only. Oh one. yeah, for sure. Um, Darth Vader is also no longer the franchise's top character. In case you, you didn't know this, uh, based no, I, on I, I did. I, 
I didn't know there was polls. So. Yeah, they, well, they base it on the number of Google searches, like, you know, for a character, um, you know. Okay. Whatever. Uh, Baby Yoda, of course, took the number one spot. Um, oh, who, who doesn't? And the Mandalorian uh, took second this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the hottest ticket in town right now, and uh, you got to have Disney Plus to see it. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised that there's been, like, they kind of have already announced the season three. We're already getting rumors of all of these things happening, so uh, this is all great. Well, I think, I think it comes down to what you said before the show started. Like, wh- what does Darth Vader bring to the, the Star Wars mythos anymore? Nothing. Uh, they've beat that to death, uh, literally mm-hmm. and, and metaphorically. So um, they need something new, and you know, honestly, we they they tapped into these two new characters who literally took off in a new direction. Uh, what Star Wars, you know, yeah. can do. So we we need a we need a new villain. It's I, I it seems like they have their new kind of anti heroes or their new heroes and babies, but we need a new Vader. Like I, we need somebody mysterious. Uh, somebody who's all powerful, somebody that's actually scary, like somebody who, if you think you put your hero in front of them, they don't stand a chance. Mm. I mean, uh, Kylo Ren was a was a very complex character, but you knew you could always kind of get to him emotionally. He was never under that mask for very long, to where you couldn't see the humanity. But with the original trilogy, like Vader was just kind of like this unstoppable machine that you didn't really know exactly what was going on under that helmet until you finally saw it, and then it was like. Whoa, this is crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, we kind of thought maybe Snoke might be that for a brief moment, but that didn't end up no. happening. So I would love to see uh, just an all-present, just uh, creepy person that's not Vader and not the Emperor. Invent somebody new to terrify well, me in the Star Wars universe. If they're doing a trilogy based on the Old Republic, there's an opportunity to do so. Um, an overarching character, right? If they do single-off movies, we're gonna have to see how they approach those. Um, I think I think for for what was it um, solo? I, I enjoyed um, I can't think of his name. Um, Paul Bettany. Um, oh God, I can't. I don't even remember who the villain in solo was. It was, it was Paul Bettany because he got angrier and then his face started like, cracking open or something like that. Um, so oh yeah, I didn't he have like knives or something? What was his gimmick? I don't remember. I mean, he he was just a he was just a gangster really, and whatever his species <laughs> was, he got like lines on his face that looked like scars every time he got angry. Um, but I mean, I, th- I think I think he was starting because you didn't know what he could do. Like again, what was his get? What what happened when his like he got too angry? Like did, did he have some sort of ability or power? But like there's there's opportunity for those one off characters. They don't have to kill them necessarily, but they don't have to franchise every movie into three or four. Hopefully. Uh, lastly, a fun fact for our, the the Dengar fan. I said uh, to, to people, the people, the one guy who likes Dengar um, from the original Bounty Hunters from episode five, uh, I believe, and maybe six. Uh, he apparently ro- robotized himself and became uh, a character that was in the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, so that was a fun little throwback. Yeah, I think I saw. I think maybe I saw this Easter egg pop up maybe last year when the when the movie was out but obviously i forgot but i remembered like yeah it's the bounty hunter that has like the weird kind of diaper or like the tur- gauze all over his head it's not like a traditional like middle eastern headdress or anything like that it's just like these weird just like towels wrapped around his head and the only reason i remember it so well is uh when i was younger i inherited a lot of star Wars original star wars toys from an older cousin and don't get too crazy these are all out of the box nobody wants wants him anymore anyway but i had this little action figure of this random one-off bounty hunter and i was like who the hell is this guy i don't care who this is i'm just gonna throw him and have luke come in and just beat his ass so <laughs> well dingar is has a history han solo hit him with a blaster or like fire from a speeder and like 
dented, like his head caved in. So like he wears a turban to uh, hide the robotic implants he has in his head. Um, for, that's why he wears it. There's a history for all this stuff. There was, but I don't know how much of that still extends stays in the current universe. But um, it, it's just a fun little throwback. And he, boy, does he look weird. Um, <laughs> boy, does this guy look weird. So um, that, that's fun. Uh, Star Wars games, we were talking about the top of the show, and uh, one uh, that has been out for about a year now, a little over a year, Vader Immortal, the VR series, is uh, making this transition from Oculus to PlayStation VR this summer. Hey! And uh, they, they did this uh, this game episodically originally, so they compiled them mm-hmm. all together, and uh, we had the trailer for the full series here, and uh, what I didn't know, I mean, I knew you get to play as Vader, then you play as obviously as his fake apprentice that they do in every Star Wars game, pretty much. Uh, but also, they have the um, the lightsaber, I guess, um, gallery where you get a you know mo- they have three D models of every bo- every every person's lightsabers, and you get to use them and play with them in in the game as well. So yeah, this uh, this concept of VR, I would say, is overlooked and underrated. Whereas just exploring three D models of anything, because you can look up high res photos all you want of like lightsabers or props, but being able to kind of physically see it in in space is really unique. So I would love to see this idea just branch out. Like, don't even worry about hiring programmers or somebody to in, to create an interactive game, if you will. Just give me like give me all of the three D elements you've created for your entire franchise, no matter what it is, and just let me look at it in VR. I think that. Would be so cool um, at the top of the show before we started recording I was telling you that we have been re-watching the the Harry Potter franchise and like every episode I look over to my wife and I tell her wouldn't it be so cool just to be able to walk through like Hogwarts like you know it doesn't have to be like a video game it doesn't even have to be like real life you know you just kind of want to see the stuff experience the scale so like it'd be so cool just to do like a virtual walkthrough of Hogwarts but obviously in like a highly polished render like, I don't want to do, like, one of those, like, weird, like, 3D, like, tours where you have to jump from spot to spot. Like, I actually, like, want to walk through, like, these environments. And I don't need interactive elements. I just want to wander. I think that'd be so cool. Well, it reminds me of those the Windows 95, 98, the point-and-click games where you used to get to, like, Disney World. Oh, on. yeah. Or, like, Mist or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and, and, and I know those are still kind of, you know you teleport to a new area because they have to like back then they didn't have the render things. It was like a static screen with movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, you know, uh, you know, it's like those and people had fun with those. Like you didn't have to do a bunch of, you know, things, but like there's little hidden secrets and things you just kind of stumble upon that, that are there that you don't need again, gameplay. You don't need, you know, to, your guns and stuff like that. But like, I, I'm looking forward to this because you get to see everyone's lightsabers in their hilts and then you get to turn them on and then, play with them and i'm like okay this could be pretty fun i'm, I'm yeah, excited did you yeah did you catch that very ornate hilt that was in the trailer i don't the, know what it was it almost looked like it was made of like bent iron or something like yeah, that Yeah, part of the story mode um so that's that's the one you find i think it's like a, a, a legacy kind of lightsaber that he sent oh. you to find so lightsabers are cool man yep and you get force push people and uh, robots in this mode it looks like and, and stormtroopers and and i i always enjoy reflecting blaster bolts back at them like i'm like oh that's gonna be fun to figure that out so uh mm-hmm. i'm excited for for this game to hit uh, playstation vr i know it's been out for a while but uh I'm, I'm excited for that because you know we we have that and that's easy to to add on to now <laughs> san Diego comic-con put out uh in good humor uh, it seems like that Comic Con at home will be happening later this year. 
uh, where they move <laughs> Comic-Con to a digital thing where they say it is coming soon with free parking, comfy chairs, personalized snacks, no lines, pets welcome, badges for all, and a front row seat. Which, you know, I wish I would have had those last year because I, I, I suffered through all of that. <laughs> Um, yes, you did. Uh, but uh, there's not many details on this yet. Uh, I people were asking, will there be a price for this? Will they charge? Because uh, I they assume they're gonna have to pay their talent to be there, right? Like uh-huh. uh, panels. Will there be exclusives? Like you know, people who come, you maybe you get mailed something later or access to something different with your login. I don't know. Uh, what would you want to see out of a Comic Con at home, Mike? That that maybe. You know. Well, obvious. Well, obviously, everybody wants to see the thing that's not going to happen. They want to see the Marvel exclusive release that uh, that's always like a super long line for Hall H. That mm-hmm. sometimes it's literally impossible to get in, as uh, you might know. But I feel like that's just not going to happen. And if they did, they would simultaneously release that stuff on YouTube anyway, because there's no way to control people recording that. Yeah. But what I'd really like to see is I'd love to see some of the smaller stuff, some of the little panels that really people aren't there to make money. They're just kind of there to. Make makes connections or just for the love of their craft. So I'd love to maybe see like a bunch of like just a page with a bunch of like zoom links where like I click this and I can go see this uh, comic book artist talk about how he likes to use Photoshop or I can go to this one and I can see these, um, you know, these veterans in the industry just kind of talk about, you know, uh, how they how they made it and what they uh, what they like to do in their free time. You know, just the just the small stuff would be great. I kind of got a little bit of that experience the other week where um, Netflix's animation studio did this really cool Zoom series where you could sign up for it for free and they would just email you the Zoom link and you could just kind of call into these uh, Zoom chats and you could just see basically what uh, was a Comic Con panel. Uh, there was the the last one. It was like a whole week thing. There was like two a day and the last. Last one of the week brought in all of these like really popular creators where they brought in the creator of Gravity Falls, uh, this animation legend by the name of James Baxter was there. All of these really iconic uh, creators were just all sitting down and just chatting. And it's like, this is very achievable to do uh, with the Comic-Con branding if you, if you want to. So I would uh, I would recommend that they kind of reach out to any and all panelists that were originally wanting to be at Comic-Con this year and just say like, hey, you want to do something with Zoom? You know, just throw our little logo in the corner if that's something that Zoom can do. And uh, I think that'd be pretty cool. I don't. I think Zoom's a fucking terrible platform. And well, it doesn't have to. It, it doesn't I, have to be Zoom, but you know what I'm talking about. I would about. just rather – I mean, I just I would just go onto a virtual account and watch them. But, like, here's the thing. Do you want – like, do you have to choose between panels and then go back and watch the other ones on demand kind of thing? Or would you rather them just be like, one day, one stream, one thing, this is what we're offering? Because I mean, Comic-Con, I, you, that's, it, that's part of it. You have to pick and choose what you're doing those mm-hmm. days. I mean, that could be a possibility. It just depends on the availability of, of everybody. And it seems like everybody's very available <laughs> right now, uh, depending on what industry that they work in. But it sounds like anything's going to be better than nothing. Uh, it's just, uh, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be nice to take a little break because Comic-Con is great, but sometimes it can be, uh, physically, uh, draining. So I'm going to be all geared up and ready to go in 2021, uh, having this, this year break. I'll, I'll be, I'll have the highest Comic-Con appetite I've ever had. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, it's going to be interesting. I don't know what I want from it, but I know that, you know, even though there may be a cost, I'd probably pay to, to jump on this, to, to be honest. Um, so I, hopefully they, they, again, they say, uh, badges for all means that you can pay and then, you know, maybe you get something out of it. I don't know. So, 
Who knows? Ma- mail us something later. Uh, New Mutants. Uh, this was a funny thing that went up this week. Amazon mistakenly puts the listing on their VOD uh, to purchase earlier mm-hmm. this week. And everyone's like, oh my god, it's skipping theaters. Uh, but as we, we said, and, and it has since been changed, that this was probably just an automated thing saying, hey, this is when this was supposed to come out on demand. Uh, we forgot to turn it off. Uh, whoops. Yeah, I, th- I yeah, I, th- I think if you're just looking for the most logical explanation, that is the most logical. But I don't think it's out of I don't think it's out of bounds that possibly New Mutants could be hitting digital. I mean, we just we talked at length about trolls the other week. Um, who knows what contracts are keeping New Mutants from coming out yeah. right now? Uh, but it, I mean, it's highly possible if everybody who's involved that has a financial stake in New Mutants, you know, wants to roll the dice. Suppose contracts could uh, could be changed. But I'm down for this. I just need this movie out. I'd love to watch it. I'm very curious more than anything else about this film. Like I say every week. So if this wants to come out digitally, just put it out already. Yeah, I think it was one of those things. Again, even I think Amazon said like this was an it was an automated thing. Like you can't buy this. Like sorry, we then they even took it down or put some new words on it. But like. It's it. What's gonna happen? Why is it not on a schedule? What's what's the holdup here? Um, and and how do they work it out? Because that's gonna bring me literally to my next point here. My Trolls World Tour is now causing problems uh, because of its success. <laughs> uh, Who ever would have thought the sequel to Trolls, Trolls World Tour, yeah. would be wreaking havoc? First, it, it broke AMC and Regal to the point that like we're not showing Universal movies anymore. I'm like, well, okay, that's stupid. But right now, the cast of the film um, were not informed of its non-theatrical release, which you know uh-huh. it was it was a last-minute thing, right? Fine, um, they they could definitely change. But however, their bonuses and compensations are tied literally to box office performance. Uh-huh. So, and they're supposed to kick in three hundred fifty million at the global box office, which this movie easily, I think, would have made. Um, uh-huh. But you know now, like. There's still the theater saying no. This movie is still in the red at this point because it didn't doesn't have box office. Oh gosh, the oldest Hollywood trick, which is like insanely infuriating. Uh, there's so many examples out there of where somebody would say, "Oh, you remember that insanely successful movie that made headlines for not only being uh, financially successful but critically successful?" Like, "Oh yeah, that movie, I remember." Well, the studio says it didn't make any money, and it's just like, "No, that's not possible." Like, you can go online and it, and it, and it hit records at the box. I was like, no, no, no. They pushed some numbers around. They made it look like it hit the red so they don't have to pay anybody. I, it's in, it's incredibly shitty, and I'm surprised more studios don't get sued over this. And I think they do get sued over it. I think kind of the math that they're working at here is – um, yeah, we'll pay up, but we want you to at least put in some effort. So there's at least there'll at least be a handful of people that maybe can't afford lawyers or don't want to go through with the tedium of the process, and we will just end up saving some percentage anyway. So uh, yeah, there's some shitty executive yeah. somewhere always trying to cook the books. So uh, hopefully, uh, people that are supposed to be getting their money will get it. Right, and it's not like these people are necessarily hurting for money. You know, is Andy Kendrick who is in everything right now. Um, Justin Timberlake, but you know, it, it, it's not always about the big name people. Like I think this will cause a change in like for their agents because again, Hollywood is extremely unionized. Like right, the unions uh-huh. watch for these people and, and and fight for them. So I think with the the recent change in video on demand and you know a change in release structure will have to be calculated into all this stuff uh, going forward, and they'll have this will be an ad- a way to adapt to this. And you know, honestly, I think. New Mutants, again, we've talked about this, has some contracts in there that says we will only get paid if it hits 
these box office performance numbers, and we will not let you release it anywhere until it hits the box office. Um, mm-hmm. And and there's a lot of cases out there where some people involved with the film will take zero money, uh, and they'll just kind of roll the dice on the gamble of if the film makes makes anything. And uh, sometimes this is the way that uh, films can get really high in actors uh, for uh, really next to nothing. I think what's the what's the most uh, famous story out there? Was it Robert De Niro or um, who was it? Uh, somebody in a Batman movie. Uh, took the took the back end instead of the just a one time cash payment, and they they've just been making well, buku bucks ever since the film came out. I'm per- I don't, well, I'm pretty sure Robert Downey Jr. did that for Iron Man one um, mm-hmm. before he started. Getting- oh, Jet. Sorry, not Robert. You know, Jack, I believe it's Jack Nicholson uh, as the as the Joker. Joker. I think he took the back end deal, which worked out very very well for him over over his career, and because uh, yeah. he, he was he was a big get back then, so they probably saved a lot of upfront cash doing that. Right, and I think the most recent Joker is they took a lot of uh, hit up front for back end cash, so they could get Ooh. their R rated movie made. Um, and I think the I think the entire financial structure of Blumhouse is the directors and actors just uh, take a gamble at back end, and I don't think they get a whole lot of money at all just to star in the film. So, yeah, the, there, there's going to be lots of uh, lots yep. of lawyers uh, sending out letters this week. Well, exactly, and, but also, I, you know, again, union people rewriting those contracts, making exceptions for these rules because, you know, if you break them and you don't pay, and they're like, well, no, the movie didn't make any money in the theater, so we don't have to pay you. But we're still saying it's the biggest. Like, we literally put out a report saying it's our biggest money maker of the year. What What do you do in that case? Like, you've yeah. already shot yourself in the foot. So, I, so yeah. people need to be covered for that. Not just big name actors, but little name actors and people who do take those risks. Yeah, I'm just so surprised that with analytics so available now, with with everything being pushed through digital marketplaces, that um, just pay per view. A pay per stream hasn't been uh, kind of folded into a lot well, of these uh, contracts. Kind of like just when uh, things are syndicated in television, you know, you get like a royalty check. So I'm surprised well, they haven't done that with uh, streams. Kind of like Spotify does. You well, know? as of as of right now, because of this, all this stuff, they studios are not required to report VOD numbers for these, um, which is I guess is going to be something that has to change to make all this work. Uh-huh. And there's going to be demands. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some sort of actor strike here before too long um, <laughs> in the middle of all this. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep your report on how things coming. But I think, again, this ties back to why does New Mutants not go straight to vi- video on demand? Well, uh-huh. Disney or Fox and Disney probably have some really strong contracts that they're at least, you know, adhering to for this. To yeah. Make work. So got to ask the lawyers. Got to got to got to ask for permission, not forgiveness in this situation. A little uh, short clip from Stargirl hit the internet this week showing the Injustice Society, which fights the Justice Society of America. Um, and uh, out of all the people here, uh, the coolest one, I think, is the, what, 10-foot-tall Solomon Grundy character? In yeah. This. Uh, we, we knew Solomon Grundy. I, I knew that was the only character that you were going to know as well. So I made <laughs> sure he was in the uh, the title here. Well, act- well, actually, now that I'm looking at the list, uh, Sportsmaster uh, is is familiar. Well, because of the very, very strange villain, very old comic book invention there uh, with Sportsmaster. But yeah. um, and actually, no, uh, I guess it's just I guess it's just Brainwave, Wizard, and 
Icicle and Dragon King are the ones yeah. that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, well, yeah, Tigress uh, or Tigress, I guess, Tigress. Uh, Sportsmaster and Solvent Grundy. So I got I'm about like 40, 60 percent. Yeah. So the the Injustice Society, the villains of this, um, you know, apparently four months ago took down the Justice Society of America. It didn't feel like it was four months ago. Uh, it felt like it was a long time ago. But they showed the characters, Brainwave and Tigress and Wizard and Sportsmaster all look pretty boring. Uh, Icicle looks like Iceman from uh, the X Men movies. <laughs> And, yep. <laughs> and the Dragon King looks like uh, Hooded Justice from Watchmen. So, um, real, they're, they're cheapened on some of these costumes, but the Grundy and Icicle ones look pretty cool. So, um, I, I think uh, we are, this. I don't think I'm going to watch this show, but I think it's a fun, fun little thing here to show Solomon Grundy making his uh, TV debut in, in live. Yeah, action. good for him. Good, good for him. Born on a Monday, died on a Sunday. On a Tuesday? <laughs> no, not Tuesday. Sunday. <laughs> uh, Sunday. It rhymes. <laughs> that's right. So. There's a little Stargirl stuff. Uh, National Treasure fans out there, I know you're listening. I know you're listening. Jerry Bruckheimer, yeah. I, I don't know what he's doing out, but he was t- says they're working on the National Treasure for streaming with Disney+, Plus, the TV show, with a younger cast, and also National Treasure 3 for the big screen. All right, bring it on. This is a this is one of those kind of like guilty pleasure movies where you're not exactly getting the the strongest, most intriguing narrative and acting range you've ever seen in your life before. But it's just dumb fun, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I, I wonder how this franchise kind of strikes people outside of the United States. But uh, if you didn't know your world history, uh, the United States uh, isn't a very old country. We're kind of relatively new compared to the rest of uh, humans. So we don't have a lot of really cool old mysteries in in this country. Like the oldest stuff is still kind of uh, relatively new. So we don't really have lots of kind of stuff hiding underground or, you know, you'll you'll read stories from like the Daily Mail where they're just like, oh, they had to repave a parking lot and they uh, dug up like a knight in armor like that was in the middle of the parking lot. Like none of that's happening over here. So th- I feel like this was like the first time uh, somebody kind of looked at the angle of U.S. history with like, oh, we can have cool, fun mysteries over here as well. So I think that's the thing I like the most about the National Treasure franchise. So very excited to see a third film and uh, a streaming series. Uh, I guess I think I think it's supposed to be like a remake. I think that's well, what the streaming series no, is. I think they're what recasting. No, no, or? no. They're actually supposed to National Treasure Three and the Disney Plus show are supposed to like not cross over per se, but coalesce together uh, at the same time. Okay, um, which w- which would be interesting and cool um, because you know they've come a long way. What the early two thousands when National Treasure came out. Um, mm-hmm. Which was fun. It was kind of like uh, what, what was those um, uh, Tom Hanks movies, Angels and Demons. It's like that, but you know, more family friendly. Uh, we're finding secrets oh, of like the, the yeah the the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. It's it's a it's American version of Da Vinci Code. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I think that's fine. I mean, if Nicolas Cage has time outside of being Joe Exotic on on the new oh show. my gosh, that is crazy. We we are never really going to talk about that on this show, but I think that is some <laughs> solid casting there. Yeah. I still feel weird that uh, that everybody is so infatuated with this very flawed person that maybe we shouldn't be looking. I don't, I don't think anybody's looking up to Joe Exotic, but they're very fascinated by him. But. I mean, if it's got to happen, Nick Cage is the way to go, baby. I don't. Is he even acting at that point? I figured it's just natural. Oh. He's. I saw. 
I saw um, uh, Thomas Lennon, who is uh, who is uh, well known from Reno 911. He put a little video up on his social media where he uh, where he was Joe Exotic. I think he like put on some facial hair, put on a costume, and he does a very very good Joe Exotic impersonation. So I, I suppose if you need a Joe Exotic for a an SNL type of sketch, uh, uh, call Thomas Lennon. He uh, he's yeah. he's got a good one. Everyone everyone's trying to be Joe Exotic right now, but Nicolas Cage, he's the closest we'll ever get without. You know the real thing. So, uh, National Treasure. There you go. Have you have you heard about this series on Disney Plus? People have tried to tell me, oh my gosh, there's a new Marvel show called Fury Files coming out. And I'm like, no, I no, no, no. I have I have no idea what this is. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not a new Marvel Disney Plus show. It's actually kind of like a character profile show, um, where they use motion comic art and scenes from the animated TV shows to give insights into these Marvel characters. Um, All right. So they're combined like, hey, did you know this about Thor? And it's a whole episode about Thor um, and, and his powers and his history and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, here's the synopsis is um, it gives viewers top secret access to shield intel on key Marvel heroes and villains. Uh, all this told by uh, Nick Fury, which I don't think is Samuel Jackson's voice to somebody else. So they're looking to download a bunch of information on every hero. So it's like a like a little highlight thing, like you'd watch on YouTube probably normally. Yeah, I mean, I I won't really knock the attempt to uh, put more content out there, but yeah, like you just said, if if you want this stuff already, it's there, it's on YouTube. Like yeah. tons of channels do uh, wrap ups of characters, and I have to say, most of the most of the really popular ones do a very 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 good job. Always very concise, and they kind of throw their own kind of fan opinion about the characters in there. So mm. seems like uh yeah, if you just want it for free and you want it now, just go to YouTube. Yeah. It, <laughs> This could also, I imagine, this is very kid friendly. Um, you just put mm-hmm. it on for your kid to learn a lot about it. And you know, since they're not creating new content and we're unable to make some, this is probably thrown together very easily. Um, yeah, it's really easy. You just type in like history of Silver Surfer. Like the top five hits are going to tell you everything you need to know about Silver Surfer. Yeah, exactly. Or like, hey, here's some video clips. Do we own the rights to those? Throw them together. We're making a show. Yeah. I like it when they bring in um, when they bring in splash pages from the comics. Yeah. I always think that's really cool, whether if it's a new one or an old one, uh, really give you context. Yeah, I think I think this definitely has that. I'm not seeing, I didn't see it in the trailer per se, but I think it, I think this definitely has that. So because they mentioned motion comics specifically by name, so uh, looking forward to that. Uh, an interesting report about Wandavision says that they have actually filmed the primary series in full. And uh, it could still be on track to release this winter slash December, and that the VFX may also be done as well. Hell. So they're just working on final editing. Uh, I think you know again primary shootings, and they could still need minor reshoots. They always do. So um, that's good to know for it, right? Yeah, I hope all of these actors that are uh, stuck at home have uh, green screens, or maybe they're about to be sent their way, and they're like, okay, this is what you're going to do. Just uh, put your iPhone, just lean it up against a candle, and just stand in front of the screen. We'll put all these filters on it. We'll try to make it look special. We really just kind of need your emotion reference, so maybe that'll end up being the reshoots. Oh, I don't think so. I think, I think as quickly as Marvel turns around, they could film them in November and have them done by December for streaming. Uh, they're not sending this out to movie theaters, thankfully. They're just copying it over to an FTP server, pretty much. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, that's interesting. I think, again, from someone I talked to who, who worked on these, these are all built on, WandaVision's all built on sound stages. So they could definitely 100% have these done easily uh-huh. and, and not worry about it. And VFX can be done remotely. So um, go download that plugin that lets you be Wanda. Vision. <laughs> My keyboard and mouse are actually set to, to Scarlet Witch right now. They're glowing red back and forth. Hey, 
another year, another rumor of Nova making his way to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, some point in time, right? Yeah, so there's a... Again, there was probably, I kid you not, a dozen new rumored Marvel projects in work right now uh, from sources. And I'm like, I'm not putting them all in here because they're all rumored. But um, Nova sticks out simply because we've heard it for so long and there you know, was a great opportunity for them after Endgame or Infinity War to say, hey, the Nova Corps were whittled down to one person or whittled away. Maybe the one person left is, in fact, you know, Richard Ryder, which is how the Nova series worked for a while. Oh. So this could be a movie or TV show. Uh, it could also maybe not focus on Richard Ryder, but the younger version, Sam something, who was in the, the Spider-Man cartoon and some other, you know, New Warriors stuff. So... Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for uh, Nova. I like the I like either of those ideas. I think the benefit that you get from going skewing younger is right now. Really, what is it? Just Spider Man mm-hmm. is showing the perspective of what it's like to be a hero at a younger age. I wouldn't mind maybe seeing some more of those stories outside of the TV landscape. Like I know like Cloak and Dagger and Runaways have kind of done it, but on a bigger scale, I know we're getting uh, Miss Marvel, which is cool. So, and also this could lead into maybe a, a young Avengers if we're kind of leading that direction. So that would be rad. I, uh, but also since you were talking in general more about all of these uh, TV shows, from what I've been hearing is I don't think necessarily somebody at Marvel is sitting down and saying, I want to I want to make Nova. Let's move forward with Nova. I I think they just kind of reach out to creatives that they like and just ask them to pitch, like pitch whatever you want. Here's a list of characters, pick one that you'd be interested in. So maybe it's just coming down to, we just need a creative that has some sort of connection to Nova and then they pitch Nova to Disney. So if that's happening right now, that's great. I think it's also all these rumors are like, Hey, we have a lot of downtime. We don't want to waste this downtime. Let's prep for future projects well ahead Uh of time. So maybe someone is working on these characters and they are working on, but there's like, maybe they never follow up with it, but they're like, Hey, like you said, pitch us what you want to do, the character you want and what that looks like. And we'll see if we can slot that into our schedule. Yeah. Or, or, or <laughs> I mean, workload. somebody must be pitching Ironheart every other month Jesus because Christ. I swear, I swear we get that rumor every other month and uh, I don't see any more credence behind it this week, but it seems to be, I'm seeing all the exact same graphics uh, being uh, shared on my uh, Instagram Explore feed that were shared four months ago when it popped up again. People just, uh, okay, I'm going to Google Ironheart. Okay, that's what she looks like. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to click. I'm going to put her picture right next to Robert Downey Jr. and publish rumors. So I'd like to see a little yeah. bit more credence before we talk about Ironheart anymore, well, but I guess. <laughs> the other thing is, you know, we are in a world where we, we do have to go look for the news, right? We have to really mm-hmm. hunt for the news. And um, people are just making up news because they're like, well, what about this? And it's not really a rumor and it's not really production. They're just like, well, what if they make it? What if they make an Ironheart movie? Or, or like when Boss Logic is like, here's what this would look like if they crossed over. I mean, there's a good chance that Ironheart is going to be developed yeah. because eventually they're going to run out of characters. I mean, uh, they have plenty of money. They got plenty of runway to keep making this stuff. So at some point in time, it's either you adapt Ironheart or you reboot Iron Man and you reboot the whole MCU. So uh, they'll probably hit Iron Ironheart first. <laughs> yeah, I, I just she's so new. I don't know if she has any relevance in the MCU as yeah. a whole. Whereas you could do, um, there's there's more characters that could 
take yeah. that up, please. Well, well, I mean, the last time we brought up Ironheart, we talked about kind of like the biggest problem where like her um, her kind of connection to Tony Stark has kind of already been given to Spider-Man, mm. which I, w- I would think just historically more in the comic books, Spider-Man seems to be attached more to, I would say, Captain America. So the the, the movies have kind of pivoted him, pivoted him more towards uh, Tony Stark, so it's just like, well, where where's Ironheart's way in? Uh, there's definitely um, room for a character like this, but like, how? What's her connection going to be to Tony Stark? It's got to be different than than Peter, you know? Right, exactly. And and you just can't introduce another technically smart child who just happens to hack into Tony's stuff after he's dead, kind of thing. It, yeah, it, that was. I mean that that was my that was my favorite part about Far From Home is they didn't have to introduce the idea of holograms and drones and how Mysterio could possibly control all of these things and do all the groundwork because the MCU had kind of already put all of that technical you know quote unquote mumbo jumbo out there and has ex- and had explained it. I mean, even Peter is really really smart, but he's not exactly making all of this high end stuff. He basically cobbled together web shooters. He got those things going. So it's just like, well, how do you make like a child prodigy make a whole armor suit without her being just very neurotic and her personality just rubs everybody the wrong way? Because it seems like you'd have to be very, very narrow minded genius to build like a, an iron suit, you know? Right. Well, and also the thing with Spider-Man is he would just showed up one day and Tony's like, it was like, okay, I've been, I know who you are. Here's all my technology for you. He didn't even have an origin on how he made his stuff. He just kind of had to. He just inherited it right yeah. away. So yeah, no, no, no more just unexplained smart characters. Because at least with the advantage of Tony Stark, when you meet him in Iron Man One, is his father was really, really smart. And even if he was smart, he used it to profit off weapons. And uh, weapons yeah. are very achievable to make in technology. You know, we've been living in a world with missiles all of our life. So to kind of see him cobble together an iron suit, you know, in a cave with a box of scraps is a little bit more believable, but if you're going to throw a, a child at me who is just incredibly smart, you know, at whatever age she's at, what is she, is she like a teenager, like yeah, 14 or yeah, 15, I believe? Same age as like Miles Morales and Kamala Khan. They're all the same age. Yeah, yeah if you're going to put her in there, like there's got to be some sort of there's got to be some sort of disadvantage of being super smart. Either people don't like her or like her, her family can't keep up with her. She's got like relationship uh, issues with normal people. Cause there's just like, there's no way you can build all of this stuff. Just, you know, out of nowhere. It even, they even stretch that to me when like uh, Peter and either other adaptions of movies can just kind of put these things together. It's just like, you got to explain childhood genius in yeah. some way, you know? Yeah. It, well, it just, it, you don't want it to be her character to be too conveniently on par with this um, yeah. because then you're just like well that seems really really convenient that, yeah that would but at the but at the end of the day i'd love to see him pull it off yeah. that would be very satisfying to see an armored suit back out into the world no matter who's under it yeah exactly and i type new warriors here i meant uh, nova would be part of the champions which is what um uh, Ironheart's and Kamala Khan are part of a well. Uh-huh. So it seems like every every week we're like, we're going to get young heroes in, in Marvel. And I'm like, I don't see maybe, this happening. 
maybe they could bring Rhodes back in. Maybe Rhodes kind of comes across this girl who's like very, maybe she's like very, very smart, but doesn't really know kind of where to put her energy or where to put all of this, uh, all of this talent that she has. So maybe Rhodes is just kind of like, you know, maybe I'll just give her like, maybe just like a, like a gauntlet or a boot uh, that, that Tony used to have and just like, Hey, play around with this. Or maybe she steals it and she toys around with it and she starts to kind of understand it. So at least the, at least the concept of her building Arbor is at least seated in something. She just doesn't, doesn't build it out of nowhere, you know? Well, there's, I mean, if you look at Iron Man three, again, not the strongest movie, but you know, the, the Harley Keener character, could have, I mean, if Ironheart had been around in 2013, that's where she could have really thrived is if, you know, he crashed and she fixes the suit for him kind of thing. Like, maybe, uh-huh. maybe that's something, you know, Rhodey's suit's breaking and he can't fix it anymore. Yeah. Because it, that's I mean, the, all that, gives, that lets him walk now is the suit. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be an older version of the suit, right? I, I don't care how smart a child is. Like, I don't think anybody else on planet earth can understand that nano suit like uh like uh, tony stark yeah. could because it's just so complex so it might be kind of fun because they'll be able to roll back the armor to kind of more of a practical uh-huh. pieces on a body exactly he could, i mean he could have had some old bunkers that he he didn't that haven't been blown up that have those yeah, old bunkers yeah. in it yeah, we saw we saw how much like tech he had out in the world. Yeah. Even just some of those rescue suits that kind of went out and kind of controlled the population. Yeah. Maybe uh, some of those scraps are just laying around somewhere. Mm-hmm. See, Ironheart way more interesting than Nova at this point, but we'll get there. Uh, I'm going to talk about a series called New uh, or not New Secret Warriors, um, and this is also rumored to be in early development for Marvel Studios. Uh, oh. They are hunting for a writer. That's where this is right now. Um, and, but there have been several iterations of Secret Warriors. Uh, one of the most recent ones was actually on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, where they had um, uh, Quake and Yo-Yo and a couple other characters. That were like They were like three episodes deep, and then that was it for these uh-huh. Secret Warriors. The newest Disney XD series focuses on the young female her- heroes for Secret Warriors, like Squirrel Girl, Miss Marvel, um, Spider-Gwen, you know, the, the animated one that they did for a while uh-huh. there. And my favorite is actually the Hickman, Jonathan Hickman written comic series. I have all of them behind me in hardback. Um, it's where, you know, the character Quake was first introduced, uh, Yo-Yo and the comic book versions of that. Um, and they're like, Nick Fury has them doing literally secret missions and like, while he's hiding from the government. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's great. That's, <laughs> that all sounds awesome. That would be great. However, I feel maybe does this secret warriors tie into the younger Nova, the Ironheart, the Miss Marvel thing? Is this what they're trying to pull together? Uh, more in line with the Disney XD series, but in, 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 you know, in our defense here, why they wouldn't be, Marvel likes to borrow names from very well-known comic series, Age of Ultron, and never followed the actual story the comic book did. Uh-huh. So, like, Age of Ultron the movie is not Age of Ultron the comic book by a long shot. So, um, it could just be borrowing the name for that, you know, down the road. Yeah, I mean, we all kind of assumed that when Captain America had, uh... Well, I guess he was never in the raft, right? When he went back and he saved his crew from the raft, that he was out doing secret stuff that we really never got to see, but we could just imagine the cool secret stuff that he was doing. So, uh, yeah, I would I would love to see superhero secret missions, maybe on a more sophisticated scale. Scale, because like you said, like Agents of Shield, pretty much was that. You know, uh, even outside of those three secret uh, warrior seasons, it was very much under under the radar doing missions. So maybe if we can get something a little bit more. Or, uh, tied down to like an eight episode streamer or a, or a film, we might have a little bit more fun there. Yeah, and this could also be possibly 
uh, the name of maybe these Netflix shows when they coalesce because none of them are actually um, other than Wanda going to Doctor Strange movie. None of them should be in the movies anytime soon. This is our uh, this is our Defenders reboot here. (laughs) The one that that worked. The Secret Warriors. Do you like the Spider-Man movies, Mike? Oh, Chris, they're my favorite. <laughs> okay, good. Because uh, the the IMAX has put version their IMAX version specifically of Homecoming, Far From Home, and Into the Spider Verse are now available to stream from IMAX in their IMAX format. However, there is a catch. Yeah, I was gonna say, Chris, what's with the ellipses in the show notes? Yeah, because this is a pain in the fucking ass to put it nice. <laughs> you click on these this this link here I give you, Mike. It's gonna take you IMAX enhance, right? Watch them now. Perfect. Home viewing with no limits. Unless you only have exactly what they say you can watch it with. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so you have to watch it on the specific Sony or TCL TVs or projectors uh, with these specific speaker setups and these AV receivers. Oh, geez. Come on. And then watch them uh, across these five specific retailers, uh, which the only one I recognize is um, Fandango now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how. I, th- there's nothing. This is a single landing page. A website, and I have no idea how to go about watching these. What? I'm just more surprised that uh, so right next to Fandango, there's a thing called Rakuten TV. Uh, in our household, Rakuten is like a couponing extension for our browser, where you can get like discounts when you shop like Macy's.com. What the hell is Rakuten TV? Oh, uh, I've, I've I've never heard of well, that. Well, I mean, Rakuten <laughs> is, is an online. It used to be Shop.com or something like that, and they switch over to Rakuten. Mm-hmm. And then they started doing – they're essentially like an online Walmart. They do everything. Well, they're not available in my country according to yeah. their landing page right now. So Yeah. Well, I went to – I mean I'm literally sitting here on FandangoNow.com. Look up Spider-Man Far From Home. And I'm like, how the hell do I watch the IMAX version? Well, I am not here to contone piracy, but this has piracy screaming all over it because pirates, pir- people that pirate stuff are very, very, very nerdy. They're going to dive into the specifics. They're going to get those ones and zeros for you, Chris, and it'll be up on any of your day one torrent sites, I'm sure, within the Well, week. I mean, apparently these are already up, and I've not seen them yet, but I would love, love the ability to watch. I don't, I mean, the IMAX resolution versions of some of these movies. Now, I understand... Yeah imax wants to preserve their quality of an imax like mm-hmm. you know they are they are the apple of the movie going experience right when you go to imax they have to have specific subs to 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 get it but like i just want that extra resolution i'm tired of losing frame it's cut <laughs> off mike i don't like it yeah yeah it seems like from from a layman's point of view uh, basically the at-home experience would be when you're watching a movie instead of seeing the black bars on the top and bottom of your TV even though your TV's already widescreen those black bars are basically going to def- disappear and you're going to get a little extra movie you're not going to be stretched to fill the whole frame you're actually going to get those missing pieces that the black bars cover uh, for IMAX yeah uh, I'm just doing a little a little little bit of a search here Mike I'm just doing some some quick Chris is doing some he's doing some investigation for you folks out there. He's going to get to the bottom of yeah, this. Yeah, I'm looking for the IMAX versions on some popular download sites, Mike, and Spider-Man is not here. Um, but if you want to watch I can... Beautiful Planet, you can find it in here. <laughs> okay, good to know. <laughs> I, I'm not very happy about some of these. Um, there's apparently the the Aquaman version, but like I I don't under, like this seems very very like the barrier to entry is very, very high. Um, and you know, I, I don't like that, but I wish we could watch 
the IMAX versions of the Avengers games or the Avengers movies because those oh that that'd be great. We talked about how they were shot with IMAX cameras and now we're getting we're losing frames with black bars. So it's upsetting. It's upsetting. However, I'm gonna brighten up your day, Mike, with our last. Oh movie. no, you're not. Uh, no, you're not. Stop it right here. Nope, nope. <laughs> with the movie Bright Two, even oh, brighter man. is gonna be the subtitle you watch. <laughs> Uh, Louis Leterrier, uh, the director of The Incredible Hulk uh, and uh, some other movies, um, he, he will direct the <laughs> Netflix sequel, Bright 2, uh, which apparently sets the film on an international stage. Oh, rather than gosh. Just like the very successful uh, Men in Black International, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I'm going to contradict myself to something I said at the top of the show where usually I can look past, uh, you know, uh, writers. Uh, because, you know, usually the director overtakes it. But uh, Bright 2, I just looked it up, is being written by David Ayer and co-written by a guy named Evan Stepanopoulos, I believe is his name. So I looked up his credits. He is uh, responsible for uh, um, Hercules, the one that came out in 2014 with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, The the newest uh, 2019 Charlie's Angels. Uh, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, but I think this is just the Huntsman. Uh, it looks like he's uh, he's got he's got a lot of he's got a lot of a uh, lot of stuff under his uh, under his belt, but not a lot of things that I am particularly excited to see. So uh, I thought the first Bright movie was uh, trash. I know some other people out there find some redeeming qualities from it, but wow, I do not want to watch this. <laughs> yeah, I uh, not yeah, yep. Yeah. I, I got nothing to say about this. I, I don't know how a sequel. Ha- I know how a sequel happened. There was nothing better on Netflix that week, and then everybody watched it. The same way people watch, what was it, um, uh, the third movie in the um, Cloverfield franchise, because they did the announcement, and it was just piss poor oh, awful. Oh, Clo- Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, and it was just piss poor awful. <laughs> the, so the, the only upside to Bright 2, and I'll give it this credit, is Max Landis is not attached to the sequel. And Max Landis has sole writing credit on the first Bright film, and Max Landis has been Me Too'd right out of Hollywood, uh, rightfully so. So if he's not anywhere near this one, maybe maybe this will be a jumping off point. You know, I have such a low opinion of the Bright franchise in general that really they have only where to... The only way that they have to go is up. And I can stream it for free because I'm already paying for Netflix and I will probably be perpetually paying for Netflix the rest of my life. So if I have no barrier to entry to get back into the Bright franchise, I suppose they got a little bit going for them there. Yeah, I mean, that's really about it. Um, you know, maybe maybe they'll take some feedback from the first one and apply it to this one. Um, yes. Uh, so we, we could see some benefits from there, possibly. Um, but uh, what's Will Smith done that's good lately? <laughs> Yes, sigh. Sigh is the appropriate yeah. response to Bright 2 news. Exactly, exactly. Well, if that didn't brighten up your day, Mike, I don't know what, what bad <laughs> joke will. So um, that's that's it for the week. I, I mean, I feel like we're missing something, but I don't know what it was. I went through all my notes twice, and I'm like, I feel like I'm missing something. So if it pops up, we'll talk about it next week. Or someone will mm-hmm. message me. One of those two things will, will happen um, for sure. But if people want to know more about what we're doing, what we're up to, where can they find you at? Well, they can find me at Mike Royer Design on Instagram and Twitter, and you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. Chris, if people want to catch up with you, see what you're doing in your life, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, Valdan, V-A-L-D-A-N, or Instagram, Valdan87, where I put up those lights and video shows that Mike asked me to last week. Which That was rad, man. People, people are responding pretty cool to that, um, so, th- so thank you. 
uh, for that. Um, you also head over to Comic UI. If people want to know more about our episodes, our reviews, some, we're going to have to start filling up these months, Mike. Where can they find those at? Well, all you got to do is visit superheroslate.com. When the website isn't hacked, uh, we fix that pretty quickly, though. Oh, so yeah, uh, we have full... That. We have full control now of all of our digital avenues, so no worries there. Uh, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you love to listen to fine podcasts like this. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can get merch at SuperheroSlate.com slash store. Uh, we love hearing from you. Uh, I, uh, we had Superfan Jim reach out to me, uh, let me know some of his drive-in movie stories uh, back when he used to work at a drive-in theater, which I had no idea, so that was pretty cool. So uh, if anybody has any more uh, stories about going to drive-ins or working at drive-ins, he had a pretty funny anecdote where a friend, uh, a friend of his spoiled a screening of The Perfect Storm uh, for a whole audience, uh, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Uh, a movie about a boat, is it going to sink or isn't going to sink? Uh, and that was spoiled for the whole audience, so I thought that was pretty funny. So we love hearing from you, so please reach out with any funny anecdotes that we might like to talk about on the show. We love that. And also, we love our super fans, so if you want to be a super fan of this show, all you got to do is share the show with a friend. Share the show with a buddy and to continue to show social distance so you don't get anyone sick. Yes, wash those hands, as we say. That's how you become a super fan. Wash them, keep them clean. Yeah. And we'll see you guys next week. All right, bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. My clickety clackety keyboard. Clickety clacking all day long. And my uh, creakety creakety chair. Here, let me creak it. Let me get some. Creek, creek.